Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We followed Paul's journey. He's now back in Jerusalem and uh, we talked yesterday about the warnings that he was given through the prophet uh, in Caesarea. But nevertheless, he was... uh, convinced that this was God's will, that he go to Jerusalem despite the, the inherent dangers. And there he had to give a report to the elders. And um, James reiterates in verse 25 uh, the decision that was reached at the Council of, of Jerusalem that the Gentiles don't have to follow the law of Moses and be circumcised, but they laid these four things on them. They should not eat food that has been sacrificed to idols, nor the meat of strangled animals. They should not drink blood and must refrain from sexual immorality. So on the following day, Paul um, obeyed what was suggested by James and the others, and he went through this Jewish form of purification in the temple. But trouble was brewing. Because when the seven days of purification were nearly completed, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and stirred up a large crowd by shouting, Men of Israel, help us. Here is the man who teaches against our law and this temple everywhere he goes. Not only that, but he has defiled this sacred place by bringing Gentiles into the temple. Earlier they had seen the Ephesian Trophimus with Paul in the city and had assumed that he had brought him into the temple. Now this is typical of what happens when people persecute leaders. They lie. They bring false accusations against them. It's always the same. It was the same in with Jesus. It was the same with Paul. It's the same today. And I have seen ministries that have gone through tremendous tension and even churches seriously affected by false accusations that have been brought against the leadership. It's a very, very serious Uh, serious matter. And it means that when people do that, they've always got their own personal agenda, their own reasons for doing it. They're not concerned about the church. They're certainly not concerned about the leadership. They're not concerned about the purpose of God. They're only concerned about themselves. And it's that self-concern that brings division into churches. And uh, you you just have to question, you know, from what spirit are those people speaking? Now, these people were speaking from a spirit of unbelief. They were speaking from a spirit of rebellion against the authority of God. And they were making these very serious and untrue accusations against Paul. Difficult when you're a leader to defend yourself against these things. Um, You know, because it's like if you throw enough mud, some of it sticks, even though all the mud is not true. And... It's the devil's way of trying to undermine the authority of leaders. And we have to to acknowledge that all such lying accusation actually emanates, therefore, from the enemy, certainly not from God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. But, you see, uh, the discontent spread rapidly and people came running from every direction. It would have been... It would have been a, a, a catastrophic thing if Paul really had taken a Gentile into the area of the temple where only Jews were allowed to go. But of course, he would never do such a thing. They seized hold of Paul and dragged him out of the temple. The gates were then shut. 
However, while they were trying to kill him, news of the disturbance that had now spread to the whole city reached the Roman commander. Immediately, he led a troop of officers and soldiers to where the crowd had gathered. Uh, when those involved in the riot saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So the commander arrives, they arrest Peter, uh, they arrest Paul, and uh, there's just sort of general confusion. And they actually have to really not only arrest him, but rescue him from this crowd that is really baying for his life. So as they're getting near the barracks, Paul uh, says to the commander um, that um, he, he needs to speak to him because the commander has assumed that he was a, a notorious terrorist. But in fact, Paul said, no, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a city of note. Please allow me to speak to the people. Now, he speaks to them in Aramaic. He's speaking to them in their own native tongue. Uh, and we don't have to go through all that he says. He, first of all, uh, just rehearses his own spiritual background, how he was a Jew by birth, how he studied under Gamaliel, who was one of the most famous of teachers at that time, how the high priest and the whole Jewish council gave him letters of authorization uh, to um, go to Damascus to persecute the Christians that were there. And then he recounts um, the vision that he had on the road to Damascus. We looked at that in chapter 9, so we, we won't go through it all in detail again. It is actually recorded three times in the book of Acts because this was the most formative event in Paul's life. And uh, we, we know what happened to him. This bright light shone, blinded him. He fell to the ground. He had to be led into Damascus. Three days of blindness to show how spiritually blind he'd been. Then Ananias, who we get a little bit more information here than we got in chapter 9 about Ananias. He's described as a devout observer of the law, highly respected by all the Jews. But of course, he was also a believer in Jesus Christ. So he stood by my side and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And immediately I could see him. And then he prophesied to Paul, uh, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one for yourself, and to hear his voice. You would testify about him to everyone, telling them what you have both seen and heard. Now why delay? Be baptized immediately for the cleansing of all your sins as you call on his name. So this is what Paul did, of course. And then he tells um, about uh, the time he fell into a trance and saw the Lord in a vision uh, when he was in Jerusalem. And in this vision, God said to him, be quick, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not believe what you say about me here. Uh, and Paul replied, Lord, everyone knows I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat anyone who believes in you. When your martyr Stephen's blood was shed, I was there approving of what had happened and guarding the clothes of those who actually killed him. Then the Lord commanded me, go, I will send you to the Gentiles in distant places. And of course, that is exactly the kind of ministry that Paul fulfilled. Now, up to this point, the crowd had listened attentively to Paul. But you see, as soon as he starts to speak about 
being sent to the Gentiles, the whole atmosphere changes. Take him away. Such a man does not deserve to live. They tore their clothes in disgust and threw dirt into the air. So the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks to be flogged and questioned as to why the people shouted such things at him. Now, Paul questions, well, is, can you flog a Roman citizen before he's been found guilty? Now the centurion is concerned because he didn't realize that Paul was a Roman citizen. Uh, and uh, Paul points out he wasn't like the soldier who had to buy his citizenship. He was born as a citizen of Rome. And so, therefore, those who were going to interrogate him withdrew quickly. And, uh, in other words, he wasn't flogged. In fact, um, the commander was alarmed uh, that he'd actually placed a Roman citizen in chains. So, on the following day, the commander ordered the chief priests and the Jewish council to meet and brought Paul before them. Now, we get the first of a series of trials that... Paul goes through, and um, he tells the members of the council, I stand before you with a clear conscience that to this day I have lived to fulfill God's word. Now, Ananias orders, uh, he, he's the chief priest, he orders for Paul to be struck. And, um, uh, you know, that, of course, is going against the law. So here are these guys who want to uphold the law that are going against the law himself. Um, now, Paul does a very neat thing because he knows that on the council there are Pharisees and Sadducees and the real point of disagreement between them is about resurrection. The Pharisees believe there is a resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees said, no, there is no such thing. So Paul says, I am on trial here because I hope in the resurrection of the dead. Immediately an argument broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the gathering was divided. So there is, there is chaos. The Pharisees now defend Paul. They say, we can see nothing wrong with this man. Perhaps a spirit or an angel has spoken to them. Um, but there is such a sharp division that the commander feared for Paul's safety, so orders him to be rescued. But then the, Paul has a vision from the Lord in which he says, Take courage, as you have testified faithfully about me in Jerusalem, it will be necessary for you to testify also in Rome. And here we see how Paul was right in saying, It doesn't matter what, if, if suffering and imprisonment awaits me in Jerusalem, I know it's right to go there. Now he can see why it's right to go there, because God is going to get him to Rome. Uh, later on, when Paul appeals to Caesar, you know, he, he was told, well, he hadn't done anything wrong. If he hadn't appealed to Caesar, we wouldn't need to send him to Caesar. But actually, you see, what lay behind that was this word that Paul had received from God that he was to go to Rome. And that was the way to get to Rome, to appeal to Caesar. So Paul is moving by revelation. And that's why he is so convinced that he has to obey what the Spirit of God is telling him and not just listen to his friends who are concerned about his safety. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 